Hi, I'm Beck Rayner, and this is the Military Wife Life podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, and embraces the spouses behind the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever, whenever, and Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Welcome, Jenny, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thank you for having me. It's cool to uh, be able to share my thoughts and experience with you. I guess if we can first start by you telling us how you and your husband met and how long you've been together. We met when I was finishing my university degree about 13 years ago. We were both born in Sydney and stayed there until about the last six years. So uh, he actually used to make my coffee, the cafe down the road from where I was working while I was at uni. He was managing that. And yeah, he was my barista, if you want to say that. (laughs) So obviously when you met, it's not like he was in a uniform or you knew that he would be joining Defence. What was his situation when you met and how did Defence Life come about? When I met him, he was actually finishing what's called a theology degree as well. My husband by trade is what you would call a pastor or a minister of a church. So that still requires you to do a theological degree. So we were both finishing our studies. So he was in regular, everyday hospitality type clothes. And yeah, we really hadn't probably individually decided what we were going to do when those degrees were finished. And so when did Defence, I guess, come into the picture and how long had you been together by that stage? Gosh, so Defence was about a year ago now. So we're both in our late 30s. I'm not going to name our age, but yeah, defence was a really later on in life decision and definitely not something that we considered, talked about. We maybe knew one or two people within the defence force, but as required, they weren't living anywhere near us. Uh, right now they're Sydney and South Sydney for the Navy. What was the discussion like when your husband you know was looking at joining defence was it a joint decision did he just come across it and think oh that's a good fit for me or how did it come about? He actually blames me for this journey so I was in the middle of what I would probably call like exploring a career change so I was thinking oh well we have the um RAF base down the road here at Williamstown and so I thought oh well maybe there's like a civilian job or a contracting job I could do just to have a break from my current field and I came across the uh, Navy uh, job it was for a chaplain so a chaplain is a bit like a mix between a counselling role and a well-being kind of uh, counselling position so I sort of sent it to him went oh look what do you think how about this because we were both sort of in that position where we'd been in our careers for over 10 years and I guess like everyone you kind of go, oh, is this what I want to do forever or is there something else I could do to challenge or extend my skills? And here we are today, we're about to post to Western Australia for the first time in about 18 days. So uh, we're fully in defence now. And so when 
obviously that became a reality and your husband actually went forward with joining defense and I guess going away for whatever training he needed to. What was the sort of thought process behind what that would mean for your family? Did you sort of discuss that you were open to moving to different locations? Did you have any idea what defense life would entail? We kind of vaguely had ideas of this stereotypical, oh, we're going to move around all the time and we're never going to be in the one place for longer than two years. And mostly our thoughts went, well, what do we do about our kids? I've got a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. And we thought, oh, well, how many schools are they going to be at? And what am I going to do for a job if this is what you're going to do? So we really didn't have an idea of for us what it would look like. But I definitely did a lot of Googling. I quite like researching. And so I got onto Facebook and I found uh, your page and your podcast and I started listening and I had a chat to the friends that we knew of that were in defence and we sort of asked them a lot of questions and they were really kind with us and, and answered them as best they could. But we, yeah, we didn't really know what it looked like, but definitely we were mostly concerned about the children, how it would impact them, how often Luke would be away being in the Navy, you know, you're posted to a vessel and that goes out for maybe two weeks, six months, um, or maybe not at all. That entirely depends. So we were very green, as you call it, but through my own research and my own discoveries, most of the things I need to know or I want to know have been answered in part. And so obviously once you guys had decided to go forward with your husband joining Defence, what was the actual process? Like obviously you have the idea, yep, sounds good, look into it, yep, the job fits and I'm eligible to to join what actually happens does he go and see someone does he call does he fill in paperwork online how does it work the actual process is quite long the parts that i can remember uh, he had a lot of paperwork so basically everything about yourself there's quite strong security checks to make sure that you're not sort of an at-risk person he there's a recruitment place in town in Newcastle here so he had to go there multiple times for a fitness test for like a psychology screening for uh, multiple fitness or health checks with a GP he had like an initial interview he had an aptitude test then he had a big panel interview at the end he had another fitness test he had to pass and and then I think maybe they took bloods and had to check, you know, screen to make sure he didn't have any sort of long-term illnesses. For us as a family, we really had, well, for me, no connection with that. There was not like anyone included us in the process. All the communication was with him because you're not really recognised as a dependent, but not that we probably needed to know anything, but it was definitely, this is happening now. And then you hear nothing for weeks and weeks. And then this is happening now and you hear nothing for weeks. So the process took a couple of months, I think probably three or four months. And then we found out right at the end, just before Christmas. So he had about a month and then that was it. He was gone for what's called NEOC, which is the officer training down south. Yeah, because obviously just because he's joining later in life and he's got experience and he's done you know, various jobs and he's trained in the area that he wants to go into doesn't mean that he bypasses all the, I guess, initial training and stuff like that. He still has to go away and complete. Yes, absolutely. So he went the end of January and he is due to finish in about a fortnight's time. So there's been periods where we've seen him 
him probably on average once a month. And then just recently, I don't think we've seen him for about seven weeks. So that's the longest stint we have done as a family and as a married couple away from each other. And what was that transition like for you and your kids? Obviously, you've gone from your kids have only ever known your husband being around and you've had this long relationship it's not like you you're both just out of high school and you've only been together a little while and defense becomes your new normal you've had this whole life together before defense came into the picture how did you transition into being a defense family when you still haven't been on your first posting and and it's sort of your husband doing all of the training and all of that side of things but you guys are a defense family overnight sort of thing yeah that's exactly right like the first I can still remember him calling me at work and I happened to be on a lunch break and, and he said, oh, I, you know, I got in and I was like, oh, and I suddenly I had this like searing headache and I felt sick and I sort of was like, because uh, it was like reality. It was like, okay, so he's here for four weeks and he'll probably be focused on like all the things they want them to get. They give them this huge list of things they need to bring because it's like going away for college so there's all sorts of random things like baby wipes and cotton buds and x amount of pairs of underwear and all these strange things and so I was like oh right okay and his job has been so flexible where he was doing the pickups and the drop-offs to school and I was able to just work the hours that I needed to and come and go in that environment on the days I was working. So it was an absolute overnight, oh, well, we better make the most of this summer because they were pumping into us, oh, COVID means you won't see him and, you know, COVID means he probably won't come home and because it was still really a big thing, we were coming out of that lockdown last year. So I was trying to sort of plan and prepare as best as I could because I knew that I wouldn't be able to call him and ask him the answer to that question or I wouldn't be able to go oh that's all right Luke can chip in and do that and I can go to that meeting or whatever it was so it was definitely a a shock but I think we've done all right (laughs) I think we've survived okay so in your mind what were you planning and preparing for basically to be a solo parent like what what in your mind were you thinking it was going to be because obviously you don't really know until you start living it but I guess you can imagine okay he's not going to be here he's now not going to be able to do all of those things how do you even prepare to take on the role of both parents while also, I guess, adjusting how you can work and having someone to pick up the kids when he usually does that. How did you adjust all of that? So the first thing I had a chat to Luke about is I said, look, I need to drop some hours so that I'm not doing the, you know, four-day, three-day week morning juggle evening and afternoon. And it was always going to be a bit of a tight budget. But I said, if I need to make sure my capacity is there for the children and for all these sort of countdown things so planning to make sure you know uh the kids can go to that that birthday party in the weekend or they can or we can get the cars registered on time and get the car serviced and things like we need to make sure our house has got enough keys for the renter who's going to rent our property when we move and so I was definitely planning for solo parent situation and I guess you can't really make lists for those sorts of things to tick them off because it's reoccurring like there's always those house chores to be doing there's always those um, school runs to be doing so for me I needed to make sure I had the capacity to keep everything moving and flowing I guess imagine all the regular things that you might do as a family and then you just sort of push your partner or husband out of the picture and you kind of pick up their bag of responsibilities that they would have and you add that to your load. 
And I mean, I guess it's one thing to physically be doing all of those extra things and juggling all of those, but how did you go with the transition of, I guess, the mental load and carrying everything back at home, you know, the emotional well-being of the kids and and getting them through this big change your emotional well-being and then obviously your husband's off doing this exciting thing because you know he's on a new path but then he's also apart from you guys like how did you juggle the mental load as well as you know the physical load i don't think anyone's ever really cracked how to do mental health really well because it's such an individual question i had already been seeing a psychologist for previous Um, mental health struggles that came out of the situation two years ago so I kind of had the support in place myself to be able to go there and uh, talk to her and sort of gauge what's happening in my brain and what her suggestions are and get some strategies but I'm not very good at self-care I guess I always kind of assumed that just doing this one thing would be enough like say going to Pilates once or twice a week yep you've done it move on because I'm quite good at compartmentalizing but as you know, time goes really quickly when kids are at school. So you have all intention to go for a walk with a friend or you have all intention to sit down at lunchtime and maybe have a cup of tea and just eat your lunch. But life happens and things interrupt that time. And as much as I like to think I'm a planner, I don't think I factored in my own self-care because that immediate responsibility you feel for your children and their mental health. Uh, that definitely, well, for me, crowds my space in terms of uh, when I put myself first. So I think I'm still working that one out, but I was trying not to feel uh, guilty if I went out to lunch with friends or trying not to feel guilty if I came home and just did one thing instead of the five things I wanted to do. So I think I'm still working out what self-care looks like, but I'm, I'm starting to understand more what my capacity is and not be so worried about not being able to go to things if someone invites me or go, you know what, kids, like, I can't have a play date with other mates around because I just don't have the ability or the capacity to manage all of that but hey let's go to the park instead so just trying to learn about capacity and you know what I'm good at versus what sucks me dry sort of working out that balance and how are you preparing yourself for I guess you you obviously mentioned that you're about to go on your first posting you've dealt with that transition of becoming a defense family and with your partner being or your husband being away for the first time in a location that you're used to, you've got probably got supports, you, you know, you guys have a routine, you sort of know what's what. How are you preparing to then do that exact same thing, but in another location where you don't know anyone and where you have to establish all, you know, schooling and and job and all that comes with moving as a defence family? When we moved here to Newcastle, my daughter was about two and I had my son up here. So we have done it before, but you're still starting from scratch and the fear of rejection is so real. So the fear of turning up to a community group or a defence event and say we're being posted to see and it's me again making connections and friendships or he he will know perhaps some of the uh, defence members but I won't know any spouses so I guess I'm kind of ignoring that part till I have to do it but in the back of my mind I guess there's a great phrase that I've seen on social media at the moment that sort of says, feel the fear and do it anyway. So I'm hoping I can just adapt to that and take that phrase and follow what I'm feeling and just go for it and be that weirdo at the school gate that says hi <laughs> or be that person that is at, say, football or soccer or whatever sports my kids engage in and just start a conversation and be a bit brave about 
them maybe not responding or maybe responding but not being interested in being my friend. So we had done it before, but it sounds um, exhausting to start again, but I suppose there's no way around it. We just have to give it a go. And I guess one of the hard parts might be that, you know, the field that your husband's going into, which is obviously to be a chaplain, is that the people that he is surrounding himself or with in defence are people that are coming to him for help or aren't necessarily, you know, just workmates kind of thing. And there's like that barrier between conflict of interest and, and confidentiality and, and all of that sort of stuff. So it's not necessarily that he's going to be meeting all of these people and then he'll be like, oh, we should all catch up and, you know, you've got kids the same age. Like it's not necessarily going to be like that. So that's that extra little barrier to forming those bonds within your husband's job. And so you almost have like this extra pressure to make your own connections within the community for the sake of your family sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So a lot of the uh, interactions he might have on a daily basis, you know, he's not going to be able to come home and guess up oh, and tell me about, oh, you know, John and I had this joke about this at work today. You know, that's not going to be the case. Yeah, it, it will be a bit of an interesting one. Hopefully, I mean, he's quite sporty. So uh, he's hoping that he might join some sort of sports team. So perhaps our connections may not be as entirely defence related as what we assume because there is that conflict of interest and there is that confidentiality that he needs to keep. So some of those relationships he forms could be purely work-based. Nine out of 10 defence spouses wish they found out about defence banks sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. I guess you mentioned at the start that when your husband joined, you didn't necessarily feel like you were included in the process because it was more about him getting his paperwork together and, you know, getting obviously accepted and then going away, um, getting everything together to go away and do his training And so you haven't really had that much contact. It's just been obviously information that he's been given and he's passed on to you. But have you at any point now that he's, I guess, almost about to finish up his training and you're about to go on a posting, have you had contact from defence? Like how do you even know what you need to do to post out and, and to move and to find a house in the new location? Like how have you been navigating all of that? Yeah, look, you actually don't have any contact. The ironic thing is they're giving all this contact to uh, the recruit on training and it's like, well, you've actually sent him out bush on an exercise. He's not going to be able to answer his phone or you're actually sending all the communications to their new defence emails. So how are they supposed to answer those when they're like in a college situation, when they're recruits, when they might be in front of their computer, but doing things like accessing personal email is something they actually have to ask permission for at the college. So there's absolutely no connection to me about how to contact Toll, about how to get a defence house, about even what to do. So I was really lucky that he was in between, say, exercises and it was just before his first C deployment, which is part of their training. 
And he had to ring up toll and defence housing and say, you know, I give permission for this person to speak on my behalf. So since then, I've pretty much done all the toll communication, all the defence housing communication. I connected with the defence force, the family healthcare card, which I knew nothing about until one of my friends in the Navy told me about and I just researched the whole thing but then getting my husband to sign off on the paperwork and then send it back to me so that I could send it back to defense like that part of this system is really really flawed and for a new family or even someone who's not a dependent but they're a girlfriend or boyfriend and they want to move to the next posting I understand it's actually even harder for them so There's a really big gap there, which has made me really cranky a lot of the time because I'm like, hang on, I'm over here trying to get all of us to Western Australia and no one's phoning me, no one's checking on me. You're just assuming that everything's happening as it is. Um, And I'm having to like read through paperwork and documents. So no, there's absolutely no connection, which I find actually quite confusing and disappointing. Yeah. And I guess only adds to your stress levels, obviously, before you'd even, your husband had even had a chance to to call up and and list you down as someone who can have access to all the information and make the decisions or, you know, lock in the house or communicate with Toll, it would have been quite stressful because you were were just in the dark and obviously he's kind of busy trying to get through his training, which, you know, if he doesn't get through the training, then there is no Defence Force career sort of thing. So he's focused on getting all of his side completed, but they rely on the Defence member to, I guess, organise all of that, like you mentioned. How much extra stress was it adding when you were kind of in the dark even more without being able to be out of contact or be someone that makes that phone call? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Things like toll don't have anyone to do a pre-move visit. So the contractor's going to turn up here on Uplift, which, you know, I'm learning about all this new lingo too. You know, you're trying to follow procedure and process and make sure that all of you get to, the, to your posting with all your things, with all your animals, your dependents, whatever it is. And interestingly enough, Luke had to take down more identification documents to prove where he's dependent. But then I needed those to fill out some of the paperwork for things like the kids' new school and for things like my identification for base and things. I'm like, oh, well, he's got the kids' birth certificate. It's a huge amount of stress. So again, you just have to do what you can do. And then my advice would be to pester them, call them, email them, phone them, you know, point out factually, well, you've asked them to do X or you haven't explained how to do X. So, you know, if you want us there, you need to help us. And I guess the the contradiction of that or the complication of that is everything is left up to the defence member because they are the contact with defence. But in reality, it is the family or the spouse that actually has to follow through with all of the stuff that like we're not able to access like it's just so in future postings for instance if you go to the first posting your husband gets deployed and he finds out his next posting location and he gets back and you are still the person who will be organizing that you will be the person that carries that load and that and it's just expected that you will do everything that needs to be done to like you said get yourself to get your family to the next location but they don't even factor you in even though you will be the person doing it (laughs) yeah absolutely so it just seems a little bit backwards because i mean the saving grace is next posting will be in the system and i would have done it before so 
the blessing is being here, we have my parents are about an hour away. So they have been able to sort of help me with the kids one afternoon a week so that I can maintain my job <laughs> to still go to work. And every time we post, if he's away or he's at work or still finishing his role, right up until that day where you uplift and then when you get there like for us when we get to WA he literally goes to work the next day or the day after so I'll be like oh okay I'm now in this apartment in this town I don't know and he's going to work for the first time so there'll be so many like new emotions and feelings and yeah it will definitely be up to me every time we post more than likely that I will be filling in the inventory and trying to find a defense house and so I I don't know hats off to those spouses that are working like more than three days a week because yeah you, you guys need an award because I don't know how I would function very well doing more hours than I'm doing and doing all this paperwork signing this off sending that email filling in that form you know even things that you've got going on in your current life like finishing sports sending those final emails within the time span they've asked and, you know, resigning from your job in the time span they need and then chasing up your last paces and your hours and just all the little things that anyone would do, moving towns or suburbs or whatever, but just take your spouse out of that picture and you just do it all yourself. That's, that's what it's like from wake up to go to bed till the day that they're up with you and you get to the other side. That's pretty much all on the spouse. And knowing that it's not going to be a one-off, that it is going to be a constant. It, it will be every few years. You have to go through that process again and again. So it's not like you can be like, oh, phew, we have to do that for 20 years again. <laughs> yeah, and I'm such a box ticker. Like for me, it's been really hard having a whole notebook of like, say, huh, I'm a bit crazy. I've got a notebook and one has a post-it note that says DHA. Then the next one says toll. And then the next section says the street that we live in for our house. and then you know, the next one says what to do. So like in that others box. So my notebook's sitting there and some stuff can't happen till like the second or third day uh, before uplift happens. And so for me, it's like it drives me nuts that I can't just tick it off and, and scratch it off the list because next time we post, I'll need to get my little notebook out again and there will be some things that are different, but I will still have to follow that whole kind of system for myself all over again, maybe two or three more times. And I think because... For me, the sense of achievement, like I can visually see, oh, wow, you know, you finished that inventory tick or, oh, wow, you actually found a house. Great. Now I can relax a little bit more because you've got somewhere to live. You know, that's a big tick. <laughs> um, that was a scary process. There was like one house up there when we first logged in for weeks and weeks. And of course, it was the furthest possible point that you're allowed to live from base. And I was like, oh, what do I do? How often do these houses come up? I was like asking a couple of my defence spouse friends and they gave me their advice and then I went, no, I don't like it. It doesn't feel right. I'm not going to do it. And then thankfully someone else took that house. Thanks, whoever you are. <laughs> and we got another place which is closer but still quite far away from base. But, you know, just not knowing if you should do that or how long and you don't necessarily have that time to bounce that off your defence member about what they think or, or what their ideas of, of where you might like to live and, you know, have you had those discussions and sometimes you just have to make these decisions and go, well, guess what? This is where we're going to live. Do you like it? Here you go. Have a look. <laughs> <laughs> because I locked it in at 2am and there's no other choices. So at the moment, oh my gosh. So <laughs> Yeah. So I heard you interview a lovely lady and that's what she said, I think, on hers, like, you know, set an alarm. And you know what? I had this funny thing and I set an alarm 
and it was like 5 a.m. in the morning and I sat up in bed and I went, oh, that's right, to fence, let me have a look. And there was still that other house there. I was like, oh, man. But then it was a random time in the afternoon when I was waiting for court to finish and I logged on again. And it was like, you know, 4.30 on a Wednesday afternoon, there was a house and I was like, oh, all right. Well, I'm glad I had a look. But again, funny time for houses to go up. So, I mean, I guess the other side of things, while, while all of that's going on, your husband's gone from, because he's not joining fresh out of high school, he has had this whole life where he's had a career and he's had a wage and you are financially pretty much set up because both of you are working and you've got everything sorted. But then he goes and joins defense and financially, obviously just because he's older and he's got experience doesn't mean that he gets more than someone else who's joined defense out of high school. How has that worked financially for you guys and and adjusting to that alongside all of the other things that you're sort of trying to cope with? We didn't really know if we would take a sort of a financial hit or not. And by a hit, I don't mean we've got nothing. It's just we've gotten less. That's partially because I stepped back because I just, at this point, the current job I've had has been for a long time. So I knew it was coming to an end. So for me, I didn't didn't see it's important to hold on to the same hours. Um, But yeah, even though he's going in as a trained chaplain, you know, he doesn't get a like-for-like salary necessarily because he's going to officer training. So they're all considered recruits. So yeah, we definitely uh, have financially less at the moment than we probably anticipated before we joined Defence. But I'm assuming that that's not forever. And when we get to Western Australia, I will sort out my own job situation. There's been one or two that I've applied for from this end of Australia but who knows whether they'll get to my cover letter to bother to read uh, why someone from Newcastle is applying for a job in Rockingham or something so yeah we tried to stick to a particular uh, budget but we had two kids birthday parties and then we've had farewell things we've wanted to buy for friends and then we've probably done extra dinners and things out with other families because we want to say goodbye and uh, there's definitely been a lot more takeaway. And so what is your field of work and how do you envision that working alongside Defence Life with still being able to carry on with your career and, and all that you're doing in your work life? So I'm a teacher by trade. Um, my background is mostly early childhood. So going, I've done childcare, I've done not-for-profit, I've done community preschool. I've been casual teachers in primary settings. So for me, I think it will be adaptable. Funnily enough, I was thinking of that career change when I came across the job in the Navy for Luke. So I guess I'm sort of feeling open-minded about what job I may end up in, but I would definitely still like to take my skills that I've learned as a director and a sort of that primary teaching, which is more of your uh, leadership and management and um, well-being and I'd like to be able to use those skills and maybe get something that I feel I'm a bit more challenged in. So I'm hoping that it's quite adaptable. I just went through the process of transferring what's called your teaching accreditation to Western Australia and it wasn't as long and as difficult as I thought but hopefully uh, I will be able to hit the ground running with at least some casual teaching after a couple of weeks of being in WA. And have you talked about a general posting plan? Are there particular job like locations that he will most likely go to as a chaplain? Um, do you have some locations that you really want to go to or are you guys just going to go with the flow? Or We have talked about it in part because I guess I was interested, well, how long are we going to be in Western Australia? Is that like long term or short term? They have 
given us some sort of ideas because they, they like their plans and their career progression. They like to move you through the ranks. So we're supposed to be in Western Australia for anywhere for four to six years. And then there's talk of back to the East Coast, which is fine with us. We had sort of decided though before that, that we would go with the flow. We'd go to Western Australia and just get there and set ourselves up and, and see because my eldest daughter will be uh, early high school. So I guess sometimes our postings at this point we feel will depend on the role that's offered to Luke and also how our kids are adjusting if they've built a really good community and whether it's worth uprooting ourselves as well. But we were initially happy just to go with the flow. Have you found that, you know, your husband is in the thick of defence with all his training and his mindset's probably already changing to what it means to be in defence and that, I guess, community within defence and camaraderie because they're all sort of going through the same training and they've all got those connections that they're making. And, you know, you've had a taste of defence life with all that you're doing with preparing for the move and everything that he's told you about, but you're still obviously in your same location. You've still got the same friends, family and routines. Have you found that your connections with your friends and family have changed since your husband joined Defence? Yeah, most people have been really interested in, you know, what does it mean and where are we going and and what is it like? Um, And a lot of the comments are, wow, you're so amazing and you're so strong and how can you do it? I couldn't do it. I guess for them, it probably doesn't seem like anything's changed. A lot of the comments are, oh, so when are you going and when are you flying out? So I guess for them, until we're gone, it probably isn't a reality, like you say, because we're still here. We've still got friends and family. So for him, yeah, he definitely talks about, you know, some of the recruits and, and what's happening there, but we don't really have an understanding of, of what that's like for him. And some of his family members have been a bit disappointed that why isn't he home this weekend or you know, what's happening? And I'm like, well, there's nothing to tell you because he can't really tell me or we're just doing the same thing as we are because the kids are going to sport and going to school and I'm still going to work. So I think, you know, for example, at the airport, <laughs> at the end of the month, that will be when we'll all be a hot mess within family and, and anyone that wants to come and say goodbye. But until then, everything here kind of feels like it's just the same. So it's easy to put it into a little box and go, oh, yeah, we're doing all this paperwork and the house is a bit of a shambles because the stuff off the walls and there's toll boxes sitting on the deck and stuff like that. And so what have you learnt along the way? You know, you're in your first year sort of thing. What have you learnt along the way? Yeah, I guess I have learnt that I'm probably a lot stronger than I thought that I was, um, which is a good thing. I've learnt that I'm definitely a lot braver because when it's come to the crunch, I've just had to problem solve. Like I locked myself out of the house one day, like in that first month that he left. And so I was like, oh gosh, you know, so problem solving, how to do that. And then there's been things to set up our house so it can be rented that I just had to make decisions on. So I've definitely learned that I'm, yeah, a lot stronger and braver than I thought. But I also know that I'm not good at saying no. So at the same time, I'm really good at overloading my calendar and and that's not a practical thing when you're a solo parent or you're in the middle of posting. And so I'm having to learn how to think before I say yes to something um, and really take my time in deciding that, weighing up whether can I manage it. And to accept help. I'm definitely not good at accepting help. Um, I always feel like if they offer, then I need to offer them something back or 
they're offering me for dinner, then I should take something. But the point is, they're the ones doing the cooking. So like, take it and go along. And I've also learned that I really like to be in control. And it's been really hard uh, waiting on a response from an email to do a toll or waiting for that house to come up through defence housing. So yeah, it's definitely been a big learning curve. So I'm trying to channel Elsa and just let it go (laughs) and not forget about it but just go okay you can't deal with that now you just got to write it down and move on so I think it will be a continual learning process uh, as everything is in life but I yeah again I think that the kids and I have done really well and I hope that uh, Luke can see all the crazy stuff that's gone on here to get us literally on that plane. Well thank you so much for coming on the podcast Jenny and telling us all about your spouse journey so far and I guess getting a handle on defence life and preparing for your first posting and all that goes with being a new defence family. Thanks for having me on to share those I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 